0: Welcome back to If You Know, You Know. I'm Natalie Sarkic, and today I'm joined by Megan, the host of Megan The Morning, as she leads us into a deep dive discussion of Billie Eilish's recent documentary, The World's A Little Blurry.
1: All right, to start this off, I gotta know, what is your favorite Billie Eilish song?
0: Oh, my gosh. Mine is probably like the saddest song ever. It's I Love You. Oh, it makes me cry every single time, but I love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> her, you? her voice is just like, you know, it's something special, I think, like for her. And we'll talk about it as we kind of get into the documentary a little bit. But Justin Bieber plays a big part in her life. And they're similar in a lot of ways like how they became famous when they were so young but like for him it was because he was poppy and he kind of you know no offense jb but like kind of molded into what people wanted to hear and i think she became so famous because she did the total opposite which again we'll we'll get into it but like she wasn't poppy she was like a new sound with just great vocals and um that makes her really unique so f- and for me, my favorite Billie Eilish song is the OG. It's Ocean Eyes because I think the story behind it and how it was produced is crazy for how good it sounds.
0: Yeah, for sure. You're you're exactly right. She's kind of the opposite and goes against the grain, which I think a lot of people, especially now today, maybe not 10 years ago or whenever Justin Bieber started out, um, people would vibe with that but I think now everybody appreciates somebody that goes against the standard and I think that's exactly what she's doing I love her
1: yeah and like at the time of Justin Bieber you know it was like we were a different world and like now with Mm -hmm. Billie Eilish her mom says that she has like this quote in the documentary where she goes everybody's telling Billie to produce a happy song but What is there to be happy about as a teenager right now? And -hmm. she like breaks it down and it was pretty morbid. She was like, climate change and school shootings. And I was like, okay. (laughs) But she's not wrong. I mean, you know, this idea of like the angsty teen or angsty tween has been popular for a few years now. And there is a reason. So even though her music is super depressing, I do think it's really relatable to that generation and even to our generation, like you know, yeah. when you get into your early 20s and things like that and things mm-hmm. seem, you know, the world, it does seem a little blurry. Yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna go back and forth and kind of talk about the breakdown of the documentary and talk about, you know, our thoughts and our takes on things. Um again, for anyone listening, like big spoiler alert, mm-hmm. if you haven't watched it, you are gonna get every detail now. So, you know, a great segue into how it started is talking about Ocean Eyes. So Billy was only 13 when she recorded Ocean Eyes, which is literally wild. She was was a full-on child. And, you know, she produced it with her brother, Phineas, which she still does today. But it actually started on SoundCloud, which is really interesting. So before it was available to stream on Spotify, Apple Music, all of that. It was just on SoundCloud. She uh, gives them credit for her fame. She still uses a lot of these like indie music streamers, she says. And I also thought it was really cool because in these flashbacks that they provide in the documentary, Phineas has long hair, which was like very strange to see. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, I had to look up when ocean eyes was actually released because time is just wild lately and i looked it up and saw that it was released on soundcloud in 2015 i believe and that's insane it feels like it was just yesterday when it came out i think i discovered it on vine honestly i think that's the first place i kind of heard of it um
1: but it's crazy to think that's already like 5 6 years ago i mean think about like that really speaks to our age and ages us mm-hmm. because Vine was TikTok before TikTok. And now you can find so many songs, like um, a ton of songs that get popular now on the radio or, you know, in your everyday life start on TikTok and they correlate with a TikTok trend. Mm -hmm. Um, So RIP Vine, but a lot of people don't know that Billie was actually, before she was a singer, she was a dancer, which is why when she's on stage, she kind of like moves a lot and, um, knows how to move her body and like express herself that way. Mm-hmm. I think dance was kind of her first love. Um, I'm not speaking for her. That's just was my takeaway. And ocean eyes was recorded for the studio that the dance company, which she was a part of, I guess they probably asked her to record something because they knew she was, had a beautiful voice and Phineas could produce and edit. And that is why Ocean Eyes was born. But we'll get into later why music became more of her number one focus versus dance. Um, but thank God the song was under Billy and Finneas's name rather than like the studio's name because that song is probably single handedly what got her noticed and what got her famous.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent that whole thing was just heartbreaking how, I mean, it ended up, I guess, working out for the best because she sings and she's amazing in that area. But the dance part made me sad because I know a lot of people that have injured themselves uh, through dance and have had to quit and it sucked to see, but.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. And this documentary was really interesting the way that it was put together. It wasn't like, most documentaries it wasn't I wouldn't compare it to like the Justin Bieber documentary or anything like that even the Ariana Grande documentary I wouldn't really compare it to this was very much um home video style like yeah from even before fame you know there was a lot of childhood videos in it and it was really like a compilation of memories of of moments in Billy's life that make you feel like you're on the journey with her. However, in the beginning when they're talking about Ocean Eyes because that's what started it all off, they're talking about her performances because obviously she popped off and became huge. And you get to see her perform live and this was really interesting to me. I think this th- there's very few artists in my opinion who legitimately sound the same live that they do when you're listening to their track. And she is one of them. And that is even more impressive than the average artist because her songs are heavily edited. It's a lot of her vocal layers on top of each other, not edited in the sense of like auto-tune, but edited Mm -hmm. like she'll record a line multiple times and they'll be layered. So it sounds a specific way. It, It was humbling to see like her performing in front of these crowds with her voice sounding so similar. And of course, Phineas is like on the piano and the crowds are tiny. And then it's like warps till three years later. And you see her performing in front of massive crowds, which we'll get into. But through it all, Phineas stays as her like wingman. He still is in the back on the piano and producing the tracks and all of that stuff, which it's it's a story that fans can connect to, you know, the love of a sibling. And I think that also makes her who she is and why she's so famous.
0: Yeah, totally. I love the style of the documentary. I love how it balances, like you said, the raw home footage, which is so amazing, by the way, that they had all of that and could use it. Like I'm such a person who loves to film everything just because for reasons like that, that one day you can look back on it and it was so sweet to see them growing up as like little kids with their instruments and they're such a musical family. Um, But I love how it was balanced between clips like that and then live performances and the live performances made me miss concerts so much.
1: I know, right. I'm like LA County just, well, not LA County, but the CDC just said, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Indoor outdoor and LA County usually adopts these things pretty quickly. So I'm like, fingers crossed, please God, I'm ready for it to be over. Yes. Um, yeah, I I agree. I think it was really special that they had all this footage. And it it's cool that they created a documentary out of it. I mean, listen, on my podcast, I said a while ago, like before this even came out, I was like when Justin Bieber's um holy documentary came out where he just mm-hmm. kind of like broke down the song and I was like this is what is going to happen in COVID all of these celebrities who can't perform and that's where they make their money are going to start making documentaries and I mean it's interesting of course to watch a celebrity's life and humanize them in in a way but hers was just different I think than most because it wasn't about um here's how I got famous it was like yeah this is the part of me that people don't see and I want to show it.
0: Mm-hmm. It really and followed her journey for like a couple of years. Like they show her 17th birthday and then her 18th birthday and the drastic change over like such a small amount of time is insane. I loved watching it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, we're saying we love recording things. I think probably a lot of these artists have home videos that they can show and share She just, her team just did it really well and kind Mm -hmm. of did it first. Um, But I think a big part of that too is how she grew up and why there's so much home footage because of how she grew up. So she talks about why she's so musically inclined, her and Phineas both. And they say, you know, their mom, her mom taught her how to do songwriting, which I'm sure is also who Phineas learned from because they co-write, but she says that she hates to write songs and and Phineas like loves it and is really good at it. So their mom taught them that. And then her dad taught her how to play the ukulele and the piano. So as we know, Phineas plays the piano, Billy actually started with ukulele covers. If, Mm -hmm. if anybody's like an OG fan and was following her on SoundCloud when when she, you know, was before fame. And I, I don't think a lot has changed, you know? I think she's still writing and recording her music in the same house. She's still sitting in her brother's room on his bed in that house. And I think the big thing I took away from this documentary, of course it's Billy's documentary, but like in my head, all of this just shows how amazing of a producer Phineas is because it's one thing to be able to, you know, vocally like sing the songs in a room and sitting and not standing and all that kind of stuff. But to be able to take that audio and make it sound the way that her songs sound is crazy. Like for anybody in production, you know how much goes into editing. And that is just crazy. Yeah, it was wild to watch scenes of
0: them breaking down each song and like growing a song out of nowhere that ended up becoming huge that whole album and to see it all start in their bedroom and it's I can't even wrap my head around the fact that that album was made all in their childhood home it's insane
1: yeah but I think it's so humbling too because like I'm going to use Justin Bieber again as an example like Mm -hmm. a lot of you know what we see with these child celebrities is exactly what happened with Justin Bieber, which is like they grow up and we love them. And then, you know, they have some type of, they do something, they mess up in some way because they're in the public eye. And a lot of that comes from the fame of like having fans and followers and all that stuff, which she has. But I think a lot of it comes with the lifestyle too, where you're like constantly, you know, away from home, away from your family. Um, You have no solid friend group, at least for Billy, she has that. At least she's keeping that part of her life the same, so hopefully we can avoid um, yes. those kind of things, which we talk about. We'll talk about later because in her new album, she writes music about drug use and things like that, which comes up as an issue. But we'll get into it. I think a lot of people struggle with the issues that Billy sings about, with mental health and depression, and you know, feeling like you don't have a purpose or you don't know where you belong, mm-hmm. and. Some might think that she wrote a sad song and it was a hit. And so she said, this is my sweet spot and let's keep writing sad music. But in the documentary, she shows her personal journal, which goes back like years, even before Ocean Eyes. And in the journal, she has visions of, you know, her emotions. She writes down poems and sketches and whatever. And what was so full circle was when she shows her depiction of her feelings which is like you know wings and this like black liquid and she's saying this is like prior to the album and prior to all the music videos yeah she says in that home video video to Phineas she's like, um I want to here's how I envision it I envision wings and I envision me drinking this black liquid and then it's like pouring out of my eyes and the camera like pans to Phineas and he rolls his eyes yeah and then as we all know that's exactly what happened you know and it wasn't just her idea the video but she also really was involved in the creative process she shows home videos of her like this was so pure her mom sitting in the backyard and billy like has the, the camera and she's like okay pick up the glass no no not like that like a little turned and she's like, this is the angle I want. I don't want anything else showing. And Mm -hmm. she's really like directing it to bring it to production and show the actual directors her vision. And And I don't think a lot of people know how involved she was in the creative direction of her music videos, which is super impressive because she's still really young.
0: Yeah, that's something I respect and admire her like so much for. It's, I love the way they did that scene where they showed her flipping through the journal mentioning that in the future she wanted to do something where she drinks black liquid and it starts to come out of her eyes and then I think it goes straight from that scene to the one of her directing her mom in the backyard and god bless her mom for just being like so patient and like so willing to participate and kind of be her model while she tried to like work this vision out and then I think it went from that to her actually filming the real music video I guess maybe a year or so later Um, and it was so cool to see how full circle it came and I know she's very particular with like her vision and everything which I respect as an artist and um, it was funny to watch how she kind of was like disagreeing or clashing with the actual director of that video and how when they finally wrapped she kind of mentioned to her own people like from now on I'm (laughs) directing all my own videos like I'm doing it myself which I love yeah
1: I mean, I think if we look at what happened, so obviously we know what we're talking about, but just so the audience knows, we're talking about the the music video for uh, When We're Sleep, Where Do We Go? Mm -hmm. And that was the music video. That was the song that was first released from her album before her album was dropped. The album, which broke records, like a ton of records. And I think, you know, a big part of this too, was the album was so hyped up and the song was so hyped up it was more than just a music video. You know, it really became, you know, they show like news outlets saying Billy is a Satan worshiper because of the music video. And she's like cracking up (laughs) and the billboards out here, you know, in LA and, and this is where she's from. So getting to see her face and her sitting on the bed and like her vision just come to life. know I do think she has to give credit to the directors and the producers who made it happen because it turned out really well yeah um and working in collaboration is always better than one mind but Mm -hmm. it you definitely see that side of her that's like a perfectionist and how much she really cares about what she's putting out for the world even to the point that she doesn't trust a Hollywood producer yeah (laughs) do it for her or with her and um those moments of perfectionism come later too when they're writing songs for the album, which we'll talk about. But in this first half, we've seen so much behind the scenes of like, not real life, right? Not, not a life we can relate to. We can't relate to filming music videos and performing in front of massive crowds. Mm-hmm. But they really splice it up with normal or like real life moments like her studying and taking her driver's test passing her driver's test you know all of that kind of stuff that we can relate to yeah and there's a lot about Billy who which is relatable and she's really played on that like a big thing is that she is an like a huge fan of the office Mm -hmm. and as most people are she did an interview with rain wilson where he quizzed her on the office that right there is like a beautiful pr moment yeah because now it's a crossover of two things people love and she's having fun with it and that's what we like to see you know it it didn't seem forced at all so i thought that that was really cool but it was good to have those like real life moments kind of in between all the things that are unrelatable to most people.
0: Yeah, because I feel like we definitely get caught up in the like stuff that we can't relate to and all the big like Hollywood of it. But at the end of the day, it kind of reminded us that she's only 19. Well, I guess in the documentary, 17, 18, but she's still young and she's still growing up and doing all of those normal, normal people things. So it was fun to see it interjected between other scenes of her doing like celebrity stuff
1: yeah and when um she passed her driver's test and then they were recording in the car and she was like all I wanted to do was drive and meanwhile I'm in a family my mom still has a minivan she was like she said Phineas drives a what like a I can't remember what somebody throw like a Mazda. Yeah, it was a Mazda. Yeah, like Phineas drives a Mazda. She's like, I'm here (laughs) with a bunch of lames. (laughs) Um, But even that, I think, is really important because obviously they have a lot of money Mm -hmm. between Billy and Phineas who are still living at home. There's a lot of money there. Yeah, and they're not changing their lifestyle, and that really shows like who their parents are, especially because they're in the industry. They know what can happen
0: yeah for sure,
1: yeah. And you know, with all of this like behind the scenes, we're watching her f- record and write for this new album, and so many times she downplays her talent. Mm-hmm. But she says her voice isn't good enough. she feels pressure from album deadlines and feels like she can't finish it. Um but Phineas is always there. He's like amazing with the harmonies. And again, it just like reminds you of how amazing, not only of a singer he is, but of a songwriter and of a producer. He truly was instrumental in in helping Billy become who she is. And what's interesting is she's one of the only artists. There are some other out there that go by their name, but are not a one-man show. And that that really is true for her. Mm-hmm. Nobody would come to a Billy concert if it was her singing with No Phineas. Yeah. Right? Or no Back up, whatever, and without Phineas to be there to push her along and help her and tell her that she is good enough, maybe there wouldn't have been this album, you know?
0: Yeah, I love their dynamic. I think it's so unique and interesting to see a brother and sister duo, because I know like if that was me and my brother, like we would just not work, um, but they, I feel like they balance each other out so greatly, and there's this one great scene where I think they had just finished, they were trying to record something, and uh, Phineas says, it sounds great, and she says, it sounds pretty horrible, and he says, I think it sounds kind of awesome, and she said, it's pretty bad, and they kind of do this, like, back and forth, and she says that she sounds horrible, and she can't sound good because she's not good, and he says, you're very good, and again, she goes back and says, no, I'm not, and he says, lots of people would agree with me that you're very good, and the scene kind of just ends there and I just love it because it's like she needs somebody like that to tell her that she's good and like that she's a good singer and not just let her like doubt herself which I love it.
1: Yeah and I mean really um I don't know if the word is selfless because it's not necessarily selfless it's your sibling you know you love them but in a lot of ways contributing to her success he was pretty selfless because Billy is who got the fame yeah you know but he was the one hyping her up he was the one producing he was the one songwriting he's in there on the harmonies Mm -hmm. and playing the instruments and adding everything in she's the voice of course she's the front man of the band but never once do you see or feel like he regrets not being more famous
0: yeah that's why I think it worked out so well like I think he is perfectly fine with Doing the work and helping out, but not having kind of the—I don't want to say credit because he does get the credit. I mean, he has Grammys and stuff now. But well, after, well, after the album, after yeah. the
1: album dropped, yeah. But think about like the tours that happened for the song, or before the Grammys even happened when the album came out.
0: Yeah, very you know strange. Nobody
1: attributed it because when we, I mean, you know, I I work in production, so it's a little bit different for me. But mm-hmm. before working in production, or even you know, sometimes when I'm listening to stuff. I'm like, wow, I love this song. And I'm like, oh my God, Billy is so smart or Justin Bieber is so smart or whoever is so smart. And we forget that they did not do that. Yeah, They, they are instrumental because they set, did it mm-hmm. the way that it was supposed to be done, but it was somebody else's brain a lot of the times um, behind the scenes doing it, which is another reason why people like Ariana Grande are huge because she does her own songwriting too. There's mm-hmm. nobody else there behind the scenes, you know, doing that for her, maybe with her, but not for her. Yeah. Um, and it is this like mentor relationship, I think, because Phineas could easily write the songs by himself, mm-hmm. right? But he's sitting there and he's pushing her to write them with him and to learn, even though she hates it, because it's a good skill to know. It makes you better as an artist. Yeah. So, I I agree. I love their dynamic. Mm -hmm. Between when Ocean Eyes drops and she becomes famous, and then the music video drops for her new album, it's kind of a blur. There's like a lot of random snippets of time, but a lot of cool things that are shown. Like, she goes on a radio show and she says that she would never attend. You know, they were like, oh, did you have to quit school or whatever for, for tour? She's like, actually, I never attended school and I graduated a long time ago because I was homeschooled. She also talks about how madly in love she was with Justin Bieber and how she doesn't think she could ever have a boyfriend because it would never compare to him. Yeah. And they credit her and congratulate her on selling out three times in her hometown theater, which is amazing. And they show a clip from it and her guest appearance in the show was Khalid, which is huge I mean Mm -hmm. um I saw him one time and it was a sold out show like it was crazy so to have him come and just guest appear for your concert is a really really big deal yeah insane also during this time we're introduced on screen to somebody who might be considered a friend she has a lot of like acquaintances that are around her but this one person, she's hanging on to him and she's like flirting with him. So you're like, oh, is this her boyfriend or what's going on? Mm-hmm. And I literally, until watching this documentary, forgot about the Billy and boyfriend drama that happened a couple of years ago. Maybe it was like I last year. I
0: had like no knowledge of this until I watched the documentary. Like I did not know of this boyfriend at all. I mean, I love Billy Ives, but I'm not like... Very invested in like checking up on her as I am with some other celebrities, but oh, yeah, I had no idea that she was dating somebody, so that,
1: that whole part was new to me. Well, there, people knew that she was dating somebody, um, mm-hmm. and that she had broken up with them because she was open about it at her concerts. Mm-hmm. But what is very interesting is that people actually thought that Billy was gay or bisexual because of her song. which we're going to talk about in a minute. So quickly, I want to talk about Zanny because this is the next bit of the documentary. So just in chronological order, you know, this guy pops up and you're like, oh, maybe that's like something, but it's not really touched on much Mm -hmm. more. And quickly we're moving to Zanny, which came to fruition in the documentary and in real life in the same timeline. Um, and Billy and Phineas are kind of explaining what the song means to them. They're saying, you know, it's like when you're supposed to quit someone or something and you just can't because it's so addictive, even though, you know, it's bad for you. Like if there's more of a meaning there behind drugs, but obviously the drug yeah. aspect was going to be the like pop culture-y, catchy thing that people, you know, are interested in, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, but somebody who I would assume is her publicist, they didn't really introduce her.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Starts questioning, like it's Billy and her mom and the publicist sitting in a room. And, you know, she's like, they listen to the song and she's like, okay, I love it. It's great. But should we release this? Because you're releasing it now, but what happens in 15 years when you, you know, have a break and like, do a drug bender, like, you know, get exposed for doing some drugs and then you're dragged for this or you're canceled for this. And her mom like snaps. Billy's mom is just like, what? So we're not going to put out good music because she might do drugs one day or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. She's like, how about instead we put the song out and just teach her to be a better person and not do that. And, you know, Billy's sitting there like eyes wide, (laughs) like looking around mom yeah she's like kind of like laughing into the
0: camera (laughs) she's like oh my god my mom's popping off right now
1: yeah but you know honestly well it's it's one thing to note that billy has been very open that she's never done any drug or even smoked anything Mm -hmm. which is ironic because you would think so given what she sings about and who she hangs out with yeah i think that both her publicist and her mom are right like her publicist was doing her job I agree. If Justin Bieber's publicist could have looked into the future and been like, okay, here's what's coming. I'm sure they would have made some different decisions. Yeah. And, you know, you do isolate a certain group of people when you start singing about drugs, but that's another thing, right? So she talks about later how when her mom suggests that she should create a song that's more inclusive, more poppy, that anybody could listen to or anybody could like, she says, she's like, we've always talked about this. I don't want to create music. That's for everybody. I want to create music. That means something to me and the people who can relate are who listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe the release of Zanny wasn't a bad thing. Like maybe it was pretty on brand for her.
0: Yeah. I agree with you. Um, saying that you agree with both sides, both the mom and the publicist, like, speaking from the publicist perspective, that's such a PR brain moment, like, you have to think about that stuff. And I think she's totally valid for bringing it up. Um, And it was an interesting conversation, because it sparked in Billy and her mom, like, their feelings about it. And obviously, the mom was very defensive and was like, so we're just going to stop her from writing about things that she feels now and who she is now authentically herself just because something might happen in the future and I totally agree with both sides but that scene was funny and Billy was kind of just like laughing that her mom was going off um which is like a typical
1: like mom thing but I thought it was an interesting point to bring up well I what one of the things that I thought was interesting and this is no shade to her mom but like Really says, she's like, I agree. After her publicist says that, she's like, actually, I agree. Yeah. And her mom is still just going off. I mm-hmm. think that at that point, it's really, you know, you have to step back and like, remember that you're her mom. You're not, you're not her business manager. You're just her mom and you're supposed to support her. So she's getting advice from somebody who's there to help her in a business sense. And she's agreeing yeah. with that advice maybe just let it go, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's okay to leave the song off the album, or maybe have Phineas there to be in that conversation, because it is both of their work.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: Because he seems pretty open to having conversations like that, you know, how are things going to look, and it's also this moment of typical mom, where they're like, my kid is never going to mess up, they're never going to do drugs, or whatever, but you don't know because you're not her and she's not a typical kid. Yeah. And that moment kind of circles back when she's doing the meet and greet, which we'll get into in a second. But something really important happens at this point in the documentary. Um, Right after the conversation ends, she's with her publicist and they're looking at album covers for potential, potentially for the album. And Billy has like a severe tick attack Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say tick attack, I mean, she, for those who don't know, has Tourette syndrome. And that's why she does, you know, unique face movements or like, you know, like, kicks her neck sometimes. Um, but they were saying that Tourette's can be, or these attacks can be induced by like, being tired, being sad, stressed, just emotions in general. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which was such a smart cut in the in the documentary because right after they're like, Oh, it can be induced by stress. You see her cut to her backstage, talking to that same guy who is now introduced as her boyfriend. He's distant, and she says to someone that's with her on tour, she's super lonely and hates Valentine's Day. She says that her boyfriend and a bunch of their friends, you know, went on this trip without her or whatever and just left her alone and I'm assuming that this stress the stress of an average teenage relationship and tour probably induced her attack
0: yeah this part of the documentary starts to go and starts to show you her struggles as a teenager on tour like again she's probably what I think 17 at this part and I it's. I think she was in Europe, the European leg of the tour, so far away, and her friends are doing things back home. Her boyfriend's doing things, and she kind of feels left out. Um, but I do think that she loves. Obviously, she loves touring and loves doing shows. And it was kind of this like she was torn between wanting to see those people, but not wanting to see them so bad that like she would leave this behind. Like she still wanted to perform and do her own thing.
1: Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that she wants to be on tour and there actually, she's questioned about that on the radio show, you know, where she, they say, how do you feel about it? And she's like, I love it. No, it was on the Zach Sang show. Yeah. And, um, his co-host assistant guy, I forget his name, but he says, Oh really? You love tour? Because actually you tweeted like, I don't want to do this. Somebody save me or whatever. And it was a really interesting moment because it's like, all of us want to be famous, but when you get famous, you don't think about what comes with that. And she was saying like, I love tour. And when I'm there, I love it. But the idea of leaving my home, leaving my loved ones, people who need me is stressful. And we learned that the people who need her is this boy, and that's what's weighing yeah. on, on her mind because really her family mostly goes on tour with her, they travel with her. But I agree with you. I mean, I think that she loves tour because you even see in the documentary, like she gets severe shin splints and throws out her neck and her back from jumping mm-hmm. around so much. And she says, She's like behind stage, she's like, I'm just scared that I, I push myself so hard because I'm scared one day I'm gonna wake up and all this is going to be gone and I'm not going to be famous anymore. And that's when it cuts to her dancing classically. Yeah. And we learned that she loved to dance. She was actually well above her age class. I think when she was in eighth grade or a freshman, she was dancing with the senior class and she hurt her hip and had to stop. She said that that's when her depression really kicked in. And she's just like terrified of that happening with music and that's understandable I think
0: yeah totally that part was just depressing and heartbreaking for me because I I think it was the Lady Gaga documentary as well I think she had some injury and I believe it had to do with dancing I'm not sure exactly but yeah something from that and it's a large part of her documentary as well as her injury and how that's affecting her so much so yeah and I mean it's
1: sad uh, to see Billy's concerts are not concerts they're like hype shows yeah where everybody's like jumping and doing mosh pits and so if she has to sit there and sit on the stage and not move
2: mm-hmm. it doesn't
1: feel like what you came for and she knows that so she pushes herself but you have to consider like she's already a fragile body because she's hurt her hips so bad she already struggles you know mentally with coping with all of this at the same time and having her own teenage angst and wanting to do the best that you can being a perfectionist um yeah. you know and and people this is the point where people are like why don't you write happy songs and she says that you can't explain feelings right like she, mm-hmm. somebody says like what do you want people to feel when they listen to music and she's like i don't know you can't explain it you don't know why you like a, a song you just do she says she doesn't write happy songs because she doesn't feel happy and to her, that's okay, because she knows a lot of people are the same way. And that's why she doesn't consider her fans fans. She considers them part of her journey, because they're not people who love her music. They're people who relate to her and who she relates to, like friends.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, that's another thing I love about her is I think she's just so authentic. And I loved when she said, um, I'm not going to write happy songs when I'm not feeling happy. Um, which is I respect it because it's going against like I'm sure a lot of artists feel that way but then are pressured by the record labels and people around them um, commercially like that's the way to go like make happy songs make a hit um, even when they her record label, label had told Phineas that they wanted them to write um, a couple of hit songs mm-hmm. and he was worried and stressing about having to keep that a secret from Billy like not let her know that it needs to be a hit song but also write the hit song for them Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah this is jumping back into the earlier part of the documentary but when she kind of interrupted on that conversation with him and her mom talking about the hit songs and she's like okay well you guys are being hypocritical now because this is going against everything we kind of stood for and like preached about um so I love that she stays true to herself um
1: yeah yeah I think a big part of that is she knows that she can get a lot of internet hate and the haters Mm -hmm. on the internet really bring her down and if you produce something that you don't care about and it gets shit on it's like okay this sucks it's not who I am people don't like it and I don't even know why I put it out but if like you know Ocean Eyes which is something she liked and she felt personally gets hate, she knows why she put that out. It wasn't yeah. for them. It was for her. So it doesn't matter if they like it or not. Exactly. Um, and that's like respectable. And I think, you know, a lot of artists, they do sell out to just continue to be famous. And that's why you see them struggle when they get older because it, you know, or you have the reverse, which is, which is Ariana Grande is a great example too, because She started kind of selling out. She started with the Nickelodeon and the kitschy songs. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, actually, no, I'm just going to see what I can do on my own and then blew up. And Mm -hmm. that's why her career trajectory is never ending because as she changes, her fans will come with her Mm
2: -hmm. versus
1: like, what's the next thing I can do to get, you know, downloads and plays on the radio. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like it was all working out for Billie because at this point in the documentary, it's like just rockets. Like she takes off, her album drops, Justin Bieber reaches out to her. He wants Mm -hmm. in on it. He wants to do um, a remix with her. She appears on Jimmy Kimmel. She breaks records on Spotify and Apple. She jumps from 1 million followers to 16 million followers on Instagram in less than a year. Um, And she books the headliner spot at Coachella and you see her prepping and literally dreading this Coachella performance because she's so nervous which again humanizes her a lot as somebody who goes to concerts I never think about if the artist is nervous I never Mm -hmm.
0: do.
1: I'm like I love in this moment (laughs) I'm loving this moment
0: yeah exactly it was um interesting to watch right before they left for Coachella she had kind of all her bags packed and everything and she was sitting on the front steps of her house I guess waiting for a car or something to come pick them up and she's just like literally dreading it like she yeah. was so nervous and you could totally feel it through the screen like I felt nervous for her mm-hmm. um but yeah it was just like oh but she's amazing so
1: yeah and in her in the car on the way there she started having it Uh, Tourette's attack as well Mm -hmm. she was so nervous um but I think a lot of what was left of the documentary from this point is really focused on Coachella um because it 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 was an important point in her life and in her relationship so this is such a big moment for Billy, and we should all just be talking about that this piece of the documentary is really actually about her boyfriend unfortunately yeah you see her behind or backstage like behind the scenes talking to him on the phone really hoping that I'll show up she says to the camera like he begged me for tickets to Coachella and I told him I'd get them for him if he promised to spend time with me which red flag right there like yeah you are literally so famous and we don't even know who this person is you should not be begging anybody to spend time with you and not even about fame but nobody in a relationship should ever feel that way Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't have to bribe them either with free Coachella tickets just so they'll spend time with you. She's upset behind the scenes because he told her that he would and then he isn't. You know, she's like coming out with me and he shows up for a little bit, but then leaves. And it's funny because this person is who she wants attention from. Meanwhile, before she's on stage, Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom just like casually want to hang out with her. (laughs) And it's so I love funny. It. It's so funny. She like Orlando Bloom is obsessed. Like yeah. seriously, this was like he was fangirling.
0: Yeah. And, and she didn't even recognize him. Like she wasn't sure until afterwards when Phineas and his girlfriend Claudia were like, Yeah, he's from uh Pirates of the Caribbean. And then it yeah. clicks in and she's like, Let me go meet him again. Like
1: Yeah, so it's funny because the first time they meet, and Katie Perry is so sweet too. She she mm-hmm. said buckle in this next 10 years is going to be a wild ride she was like I was there once and if you ever need anything reach out you know we love you and Orlando Bloom is like in the in the background like I love you so much um he says he goes hiking to her songs and like listens Katie was like Katie Perry was like he never listens to anybody in the car but he will play you on repeat And it's funny because she, you know, hugs him, whatever. Then, like you said, goes backstage. Phineas is like, oh, it's literally, he's literally (laughs) from Pirates of the Caribbean. And then when she meets him again, she hugs him and she's like, my nine-year-old self is screaming. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) we were all screaming the first time. But, you know, these people, they love her. They care about her and they don't even know her. And meanwhile, her own boyfriend literally could care less what's going on. So... You see her Coachella performance, she's introducing new music, and she totally, totally forgets the words, which happens. It does happen to everybody, even the best of them. But of course, because she's such a perfectionist, this like destroys her. So she finishes the set and then is devastated backstage. She's like crying. And you see her call her boyfriend and say, like, please come see me I'm upset I need support which is what a relationship you know they're there for that reason and he literally says no he says he can't like what are you doing at Coachella from tickets from your girlfriend the headliner Mm -hmm. that you can't come see her I I personally don't understand that at all
0: No those scenes made me feel so sad for her and just so annoyed like I was so sick of seeing this boyfriend I never wanted to hear from him again like it's her the biggest moment of her career thus far was headlining Coachella and she's like sitting there worrying about you and your whereabouts and it just made me upset.
1: Yeah and I think she felt the same way. Like, I think she really was holding on to him and wanted to help him, wanted to save him. She talks about how he has like anger management and Mm -hmm. hurts himself. It gets to this point where it's like, now I'm hurting me to help you. And that doesn't necessarily make sense for me anymore. Yeah. And there's this moment and I'm so happy for her that this happened. This went viral on Twitter after it happened in real life. Mm
2: -hmm. But,
1: um, After she performs, Ariana Grande is performing. She's also headlining and Billy goes to watch her perform and sees Justin Bieber in, in the, you know, closed off space where they all go. Yeah. She loses her mind. (laughs) And there's this moment, like they literally don't talk. This is what went viral. because Somebody was recording it. They just stare at each other. He's like, oh, he's like excited to see her. Oh, hey. And she will not talk. She stares at him. And then finally, you know, they're hugging and she just <laughs> starts sobbing, like literally yeah. just starts like hyperventilating, crying into Justin Bieber's arms,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is so full circle. She just had her heart broken. She just had the biggest moment of her entire career thus far. Yeah. And the the one person who she truly loves more than anyone is who is consoling her. I think when that kind of came full circle in her mind, like people who don't even know me, love me, people even Mm -hmm. like Justin Bieber, I don't have time for this dude anymore.
0: Yeah, it's such a sweet moment. I can remember the exact date that those videos were posted on Twitter of her meeting him. And I fun facts about me when I was growing up um I was, I'm a couple years older than her but growing up my whole life like obsessed with Justin Bieber like full <laughs> everything either. you can think of like yeah full out um and so watching all of the Justin Bieber kind of scenes in this documentary made me cry every single time like it's embarrassing because that scene where she meets him and she's literally standing like four feet away from him and will not go up to him and she's like hiding herself behind something I'm like I totally feel that and it was such a sweet moment and then they finally hug and you're like you said she breaks down and he's just it's such an emotional moment like I think it was kind of funny at first how she was like staying away from him and then when they actually do embrace and she's like sobbing in his arms and he's like stroking her hair and just like trying to comfort her like for me As a past Justin Bieber fan, I was just like, it was such a sweet moment. Just knowing everything he's been through and he's kind of been through the same stuff like that she's going through now, like 10 years ago. And just watching it again come all full circle was so sweet. I love that moment. Yeah, I think that's
1: why he was so... Um, sweet to her, like he really relates. It really wasn't even that long ago that he was going through exactly what she's going through, yeah, and you know, I'm sure he came to watch her set, and I'm sure he saw her mess up, and I'm sure he knows how devastating that is and how upset she is by that, and he knows how much she is obsessed with him. She's not been quiet about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, i I just think that the series of events, worked out the exact way that they were supposed to
2: Mm -hmm, for sure
1: and after this she starts writing songs about people separating and the reason that they separate in the song is for no reason other than it's just not working out Mm -hmm. they just don't want the same things and when people are asking her like what the song means and stuff this is when she talks about her separation with her boyfriend and how they were just at different stages in their lives and they just want different things which honestly, is very mature and understandable. I mean, it's hard because he's her age and he's not famous. Yeah. Staying out with his friends and she is jetting off across the country, you know, winning Grammys. Like Mm -hmm. it's hard. Um, Mm -hmm. That is the song that I was talking about earlier. I wish you were gay. So this ends all the rumors. She's not saying, oh, I wish you were gay. So you would love me. She's saying, I wish I had a better reason. I wish the reason was that you weren't attracted to me. You were attracted to, like you were gay and Mm -hmm. we could still love each other from afar and there's no hard feelings. But actually, I just can't be with you anymore. Which is honestly a more heartbreaking
0: story. Yeah, it really is. When I made that realization, like when I first listened to that song, I thought it was the former same like kind of explanation um and then when I realized the actual meaning behind it I was like wow
1: this is devastating yeah yeah and it makes so much sense now seeing it like watching him not care about her and then her maturing and being like wait this is not good for me
0: yeah she she sounded really she sounded really grown and way older than 17 or 18 whenever she's whatever age she's at talking about this part but when she was like we're on two different like wavelengths and I've tried to fix him and I can't and I realize that and I'm not gonna keep putting us through this so I'm just gonna have to end it and we're gonna have to leave it be and move on which
1: I thought was interesting to hear from somebody who's so young that you can realize that which makes her more of a role model, I think, to the kids that are her age watching her and watching this documentary. There's a lot of takeaways from this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she releases the song on the album, obviously, and she's performing it. And she just starts crying on stage. And, you know, Phineas is right there next to her and he just plays through it. She stops singing. Yeah. Everybody feels for her. And that shows how much she cares about what she's putting out. It's real. It's, it's her feelings. It's her emotions. But of course, because she's on tour performing her album, you can cry on stage. You can be sad, but there are still things that have to happen. And one of those Mm -hmm. things is a meet and greet. And this is full circle back to what I was saying about her mom. Like in this specific meet and greet, she walks away. She's told by her, label that she's going to meet one family or one person in the label. But then it's like a line of people and she wasn't expecting that. She's not in a good headspace. So she walks away and her mom, her mom's like, you can't walk away. You have to come back, blah, blah, blah. She comes back, she puts a happy face on. And then in the car, she's upset because somebody has tweeted or commented on her post on her Instagram post. Like I heard that you were Really rude at the meet and greet. I wasn't there. my friend was, but that's what they saw, yeah. and even that comment gets to her, even the person who wasn't even there, it's a third hand account mm-hmm. is, is enough to you know make her upset and she says, "I can't have one moment like I literally can't have one bad moment because it's gonna blow up in my face and think about that pressure. think about going through you know a heartbreak and performing so many shows and at the same time I mean there's a scene in the documentary where they finish a concert they her and Phineas sit down they write a song they edit the song and he's like we're millionaires like in this day we've done all this stuff now we can say we're millionaires but that's like a crazy work ethic especially Mm -hmm. for a 17 year old
0: yeah it's crazy and it scares me a little bit because I'm like she's doing a lot so fast and I just want the best for her and I don't want her to like burn out and I just I don't know I hope it goes well because it seems very intense and I could never do that yeah um, I can't imagine what it's like for her to actually be doing everything but
1: I mean when she goes backstage and says no like I can't you see her start to have attack an attack mm-hmm. like a threat's attack and she says like I don't want to do it She's obviously very stressed yeah and still so her mom's like no you got to I know and I think you know it's the it's the in her in her mom's mind it's probably a this is what comes with the territory like you know you wanted to be famous you are you can't pick and choose but we all as a collective you know her listeners her family her friends have to keep in mind that she just has a really badass voice but she still is a kid
0: yeah yeah exactly. know.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: she's a kid even though the documentary ends you know with this massive moment all of this hard work shin splints heartbreak crying on stage you know not wanting to do meet and greets I would say it was worth it I don't know what she would say but she is finally attending her first Grammys yeah literally kills it wins the (laughs) top four (laughs) awards and becomes the youngest ever to break that record of winning all
0: four yeah so. that was insane that whole last part of the documentary was I love how like they ended it on all the highs and it was like a montage of just like win after win and they kept like intercutting her winning each grammy and it was just crazy I remember that night and just thinking like when's the last time somebody did this like won all the big four categories it's insane it's,
1: it was sweet too because the first couple, she's like, wow, this is awesome. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Like, you can see that she's kind of like, oh my god, I can't believe this. Like, thank you so much. But on that last one, she just cries. Yeah. And I think it was just, like, such a moment for her. Like, so much of this process, I hated. And everybody told me, keep going. You're worth it. You're worth it. You can do it. And turns out I was. Like, turns out people do actually like me. Because you see, like, the people that she was competing against were intense. like, yeah, you know, and it it wasn't a buildup. It wasn't like Ariana Grande, who was one of her competitors where mm-hmm. she was famous for acting and then slowly she like became a singer. It was like in one year, she dropped wrote dropped this album and blew up. like not many other people have done that.
0: Yeah, which I'm, I'm finding interesting. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and like fresh new celebrities are obviously younger, but I'm finding it so interesting lately that the last couple artists I've started to listen to, like I have watched them from the very beginning and their journey. And Billie Eilish is probably one of the first, like again, when Ocean Eyes was released until now. And it's so cool to watch those people grow um, kind of alongside you and I kind of am thinking the same thing with Olivia Rodrigo right now. Like, oh it's yeah, so interesting already to watch her, like, last year, I think, on her high school musical show, and now putting out all her singles and her album's about to come out. And I think she's just gonna keep blowing up. And it's so fascinating to watch it as it happens. Like, when, I guess, I guess it's because I'm older now, but um, being younger with, like, Rihanna, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, like... I kind of came into their careers like they didn't start until Mm -hmm. I kind of came in once they were already established so it's fun now in this like phase of my life to see people from the beginning of their careers and watch them grow
1: and I mean that is how they they create a severe fan base an extreme Mm -hmm. fan base because Justin Bieber was that for you yeah started in your in your tweens
2: Mm -hmm. so
1: now like you Picked on him, and you stuck with him all the way through. The yeah. Same thing for Ariana Grande. Same thing for Billie Eilish. For a lot of people, Olivia Rodrigo is a little bit different because <laughs> she, just like Billie, started really started getting popular via TikTok and yeah. the TikTok trends that were going around with driver's license. But it was full grown adults making videos to her content. To her yeah. Song. So. You know, she's going to be a very interesting experiment to watch because mm-hmm. it's not just going to be fourteen year olds that are like going through their first relationship and feel like their heart is broken. It's like full adults that are invested in her and the story and the the music and what's coming next. Yeah. You know? So, I think the takeaway of this documentary for me was. To remember that, especially these younger celebrities, they really do have feelings. They really are under a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And also to give credit to their team because people like Phineas are really doing a lot as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, The biggest part, the biggest takeaway for me, I think, um, was because I wasn't really aware of this before, before watching the documentary was how like musical her family is like from such a like from the beginning i mean i didn't know that her dad and her mom are both into music and had kind of taught phineas and her just i feel like there was such a family focus on the documentary like there's so many scenes that we go back to where her parents are being interviewed and just giving their insights on things and it's so even at the grammys at the end um i think they were in like a press conference or something or an interview and. Phineas and Billy were asked, like, you grew up in a household, like, full of instruments and everything. If those weren't in the home, mm-hmm. um, would you be making music today? And they said, like, I don't know, like, probably not. Like, their parents were so supportive and patient and allowed them to, like, express their creativity and follow their passions, and I think that's amazing. Like, I think that was, like, the biggest lesson for me was, like, as a parent, like, let your kid. Um, experiment with things and try things though and always be there for them because obviously it worked out for these guys (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) obviously with their both of their kids sweeping the grammys yeah I'd say so yeah (laughs) yeah so the documentary was amazing and it's awesome to have conversations like this about it but I still recommend watching it because you take away something from listening to people talk about it and you take away something from seeing it with your own eyes. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely worth the watch. Um, It is streaming on Apple TV right now. That's where you can find it. I definitely recommend watching it. It was a great documentary. Yeah, highly recommend. I loved it. Thanks so much for listening. It has been, a seriously, it has been so much fun talking to you. I'm so glad we found this topic to talk about because I think a lot of people are going to be interested in it and interested in Billy in general, but if you want to listen to more of my episodes, you can find me on Megan the Morning Podcast on all platforms, and you can stream my podcast anywhere you listen to your podcasts.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive discussion into Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. All of Megan's information can be found in the episode description, along with how to stay in the know with If You Know, You Know.